In this episode, Ryan and I discuss the science behind life insurance and the importance of solving for the banking function. We had fun doing it. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. And I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs. Here we are on a Saturday afternoon, August 31, having fun, winning friends and influencing people. And then just generally talking about the infinite banking concept, Austrian economics, stories from the front lines, experience of the weeks. And I've had a lot of good ones recently, and I've had, uh, I've had a lot of them, and they've mostly been good. Uh, That's the right direction to be yeah. trending in. And they have very nice things to say about the show. Um, one gentleman, he's a, uh, let's see, he's a graphic designer for a... Um, I think it might be the district attorney or anyway, he, he redesign he recreates arson scenes Ooh. with like graphic software. <laughs> That's about the extent of my knowledge, but wow. he was very complimentary. He thought it was, he said this has been an invaluable resource in helping him learn. And you know, when I normally talk to people, the where we normally start is, you know, do you have what, what kind of questions do you have? You know, what's on your mind? And, He's like, well, you know, so I'm watching the show. <laughs> a lot of my questions are answered already. And I'm like, perfect. And we're doing our job. Well, I appreciate him listening and others. And, and I'm glad that, you know, you said most of the comments are positive. That's my experience. That's our experience. Very positive comments. Typically, the negative comments um, that don't get released. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, you know, you can tell they're from agents, they're promoting whatever it is they're trying to sell or whatever company they're trying to mm-hmm. sell with. Um, and so they always have their opinion like, we asked for it and we didn't. <laughs> you know, especially when it comes to things like universal life, you know, the, it just, I'm, earlier this week, there was a comment that came in and I'm not even sure which video it was on, but universal life came up or it was mainly just dividend paying whole life and the comment was oh my gosh whole life is antiquated that's an outdated dinosaur this is what i do universal life and indexing this and this and this and this and this and this and this yeah and it's like nobody asks yeah and but you mentioned something in there that you know about other agents and i don't want to that's not what this is about but uh we have a lot of agents that that listen and 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 they're very comp. Most of them are very complimentary and appreciative, and we're friendly with them. Yeah, absolutely. And however, though, there's you know, the idea out there, and I've had the, this discussion this week as well. That you know the perception, and we've talked about it briefly before. That uh, anybody associated with the Nelson Nash Institute or who says the word banking must be doing the same thing as everybody else. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And that's one thing that in the last, you know, here we are, 2020, like you said, August 1st, and one thing that I've really that's really sunk in for me this year uh, so far. Uh, besides the fact that I'm perfectly healthy and don't need to wear cloth over my face. Thank God. Uh, yeah. Is that, um, you've reached what we do. Herd immunity. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what we do is your personal curve has been flattened. (laughs) (laughs) What we do is unique and the whole approach is unique because a lot of people, uh, that when they come to it, first of all, there's not many, uh, advisors in the financial world in general who for over a year have regularly released this sort of conversational open <laughs> unscripted kind of material right so people have an opportunity to get to know us yes. before meeting us and that is a different it creates a different dynamic when you finally get on the phone or you get onto a video call and and it's a better one in my view like I, well compared to what compared to the two weeks that i suffered through at a captive company where one of the big four where you're hunting down people <laughs> big five or at least you're told to i didn't even i, I couldn't <clears throat> it's the old-fashioned 100 names right down to names of 100 people that you know or you're acquainted with or could potentially approach or abuse or stalk yeah right and go through that list and then sell term ask for referrals and then try to convert the term later right these agents i mean these life insurance companies have been built on that you know so and and i 
had this discussion too, but somebody else about the nature of marketing. This is, you know, you're going to write a check for a substantial portion of your income if you're serious about implementing the infinite banking concept, and you're going to do so for several years, for as long as the industry will let you, and as long as you're financially able and willing. And it's a that's a different kind of decision, you know. And it's so, so much of the marketing that I see out there is so short-term oriented it's, it's like you know it's okay to apply nelson's rules to your business practices and it's okay as a consumer to work with people who align their business practices with what nelson taught you think you think that's a pretty good place to start if you're looking at the infinite banking concept i do i do i think so you know that that um when you mentioned the fact that uh i used to say and still do. You know, you walk into a room full of people and you mention the word IBC, Infinite Banking Concept, the majority of the people in the room know nothing about it, have heard nothing about it. So that all of a sudden makes you the expert. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty scary. And if you consider, uh, I think there's, I don't know, the last I remember, 30, 30, 35,000 life insurance agents. Oh, yeah. Across the country, right? Whether they're broker dealers, it could be three hundred thousand. It's a large number of licensed life insurance that, I agents. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Need to move the digits around. Right? <laughs> At a zero. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. How many um, have been exposed to the infinite banking concept? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and then how many actually practice the infinite banking concept through in and uh, as Nelson taught? Yeah. E. 300, 400? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. being generous. Yeah. Okay. So, no, we don't do what everybody else does, or better put, they don't do <laughs> what we do. You know, just because um, we know who Nelson Nash was and do what he uh, pretty much taught, discovered, and led the way on. Right. And everybody that has a life insurance license, you know, uh, having a life insurance license is just that. That's all that means is they have the the legal license to be paid a commission selling life insurance. Mm-hmm. What else does that mean? <laughs> well, they passed the little test. And then, and then, too, I've said it many times, you know, it's like most people's understanding of life insurance is based on someone else's misconception. And, and, and life insurance is almost like multi-level marketing. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to disparage this, you know, A.L. Williams, multi-level marketing, you know, by term and invest RS, and um, almost everybody has had a license at one time to write life insurance. You know, I've heard it or used to hear it all the time. Well, my dad did that or my uncle did that or my grandfather did that or I've been a licensed, I've sold insurance before. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. That means nothing when it comes to the infinite banking nothing. concept. Nothing. Nothing. Zero. Right, but you know, you gotta uh, just be the light. Yeah, and over the last few episodes that we've done, and I don't know when they're going to be released, but the last few Saturdays I've been down in Alvarado, we've started to talk <laughs> the more. The best about place this. to be on a Saturday morning. <laughs> we've said it's since 20 you can't minutes, travel, twenty just... minutes away for some really great barbecue. Uh, but it's uh, a. <laughs> <laughs> Did you bring your mask? Something we've started to talk about is. Uh, or at least that I've started to mention is that I'm starting to get away from you know whether other people are doing it right or wrong. First of all, sure, I don't have the time of day or the interest to go and investigate what other people are doing. <laughs> and second, um, I th- now approaching October will be three years for me doing this, and have started to see various many illustrations and be they. Uh, pre-application illustrations or illustrations that from on enforced policies and you can see the design i have never seen a design that could not have been improved never you've never seen any of mine then from you know what i mean from other people yes you know what i mean yes um and that's not to say that my way is better but it's to say that I, well, and I think it is, obviously, otherwise I wouldn't do it, but sure. I'm not disparate. Like, if, if you want that, you can go get it, you know? Right. And, and it's like, 
and I, and I have, I, I'm to the point now, I tell people, you know, listen, our conversation is going to start with philosophy and we're going to talk about why we do things the way we do them. Oh, perfect. Cause that's really where you start, isn't it? You would, one would think. And you know, the only note that I, I made a couple of notes before you sat down, which is new, not normal, <laughs> <laughs> but, and it, and it comes from, you know, conversations that are, or ha- ha- had enjoyed in over and over and over. It's like, and it speaks to what you're saying. What are we doing here? What is this infinite banking mm-hmm. concept? It is becoming your own banker. Now just, okay, becoming. It ain't gonna happen overnight. It ain't gonna happen just because you buy a life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. It isn't going to happen just because you put money and pay a high premium. It's becoming. It's a process of becoming your own banker. And then I had a great conversation with you know a banker. Um, not that I get up. That's and, rare. <laughs> I mean, not that I get up every day wanting to talk to bankers. But you know, I talked to a lot of bankers throughout the course of my life, and and uh, and the ones that I speak to generally are younger. They're not. Uh, fixed in their thinking and in their beliefs right and they're willing to listen and and as a matter of fact they're calling me i am not calling them (laughs) okay so they want to know or understand more so my point is what is banking you know the bankers only exist the bankers only exist because their clients do not have access to capital oh my gosh you know and when you tell a banker that he's never heard that in his whole life since he graduated you know with his uh phd masters or whatever it is in finance that they learn nothing about austrian economics they learn nothing Nothing. about life insurance beyond the value of the death benefit so you know and i guess the longer they're in the banking business the more they you know it's kind of like will rogers the more you know the more you know that you don't know Mm. the more you know what you don't know Something along those lines. Oh, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they typically have never heard that. But once they hear it, they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. And then have a conversation that continues typically on what is banking. You know, it's not just depositing money into your institution and then you lending money on the spread, which is hogwash. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, banking, the movement of money. And so becoming your own banker, it's a process. That is a foundation of what we're doing, the infinite banking concept. It is not, and then invariably with the financial world, it wanders off into rates of return. Yeah. You know, what's the rate of return? And, and, and then the loss of liquidity in the early years, you know, you're, it's all the focus on the return and then the 4% guarantee on the cash value. There's so much uh, misunderstanding, lack of understanding, and then promotion of misinformation. Yep. Um, so that's where a lot of my conversations, and I know yours as well, you know, you spend a lot of time um, correcting misinformation. Yeah when it comes to the infinite banking concept, right? But. Which hopefully is what this does, what this show does as well. Well, let me continue because some of the comments are like, wow, James, you know, I love your show. You and Ryan are great, but man, some of them are 45 minutes and and, and an hour and had to speed through it to get to this or that because we put show notes in there, you know, timestamps sometimes. Um, And I have no sympathy for yeah. a comment like that it's like oh my gosh we you don't we've talked about it many times we're this is not a drive-by solution this is not a drive-by event you know where you hear a 15 minute sound bite and you want to pay a large premium no. no 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 and if you do if i continue right when it when it gets off into the rate of return rate of return rate of return because there's not a correct foundation in philosophy or even understanding on what we're doing it goes off into the conversation. The thinking typically goes off into what's the internal rate of return, right? And it's so bad, I got to get 100% of my cash value. I got to borrow 100% of it in the first year. So you can't see past the capitalization period or the capitalization phase. Um, that, because there is a loss of liquidity, right? Because there's a weak argument 
uh, for the infinite banking concept or life insurance in general, then the presentation has to be masked. The life insurance illustration has to be masked um, uh, almost it's really a mask it's a covering for all of the characteristics of life insurance so what i mean by that then the promoter the salesman the advisor the agent has to create this huge mesmerizing presentation bringing in other assets using the third party lenders money that they're going to grant you access to whether it's through a bridge loan whether it's through a HELOC or you're financing, borrowing against your accounts receivables or your premium financing, there always has to be some other money, right? Um, the old thing, other people's money, if I borrow a million dollars and only have to pay 5% on it, it's $50,000. That's my cost of capital. Now, if I take that million dollars and run it through a life insurance illustration and 15 pages of Excel spreadsheets, I'm going to show you how to get a 30 or 40% rate of return. And you're still dependent upon that third-party lender's access to capital, which defeats this whole idea of becoming your own banker. I mean, I didn't even have to get above third-grade math <laughs> to convey that. And, the, and anyway, I hear a lot of that. I have a lot of those conversations. So you got to go back to the fundamentals. What is this? Yeah. Becoming your own banker. And I, that thing about being systematic just has occurred to me while you were talking. I think we've probably done the most systematic presentation on IBC that's on the internet in the form of our banking, uh, our, our, the Becoming Your Own Banker book review. It's page by page. <laughs> no question. The titles are on the screen. <clears throat> you know, look, I've, I've released videos for uh, some of the videos of presentations that I have done in the past and mm -hmm. released in the past. Those are 10 years old, 10, 12 years old. And if you would watch those and listen, it's like, yeah, the material's there. The material is there. Yeah. And this is a different kind of thing. Like this, you know, talking about explaining why things are the way they are and you know, why we do what we do. My interest, like my, what, what I want to do, it, you know, clients are always going to come first and serving them and making sure that everything is in place for them. Um, but what I also see needs to be done is, and what's just never been done, period, is a, a, a sort of revisionary understanding of the history of life insurance and what it is, like from the Austrian perspective. That's not been done. And that takes time like no, to go back and read through the books. And, and so, you know, my hope is that by providing this kind of material, we, we can still check some of the boxes that need to be checked, you know, give people the opportunity to to vet and to do their research and to get to know me and to have that, that exposure, you know, mm -hmm. that nobody else is offering, you know? Uh, and I, and, but I'm not saying, you know, what I also don't like and what I hear from a lot of people and I heard it this week is, <laughs> you know, we were talking to somebody else and then they wouldn't call us back. Uh, you know, we, we applied for the, I had, this is with two clients right now. They, and with a, <laughs> you would know the company, uh -huh. uh, they, they applied uh, <clears throat> for policies, uh, a practitioner no applied way. for policies, mm -hmm. got approved, right? And no underwriting problems. In fact, one of them came back preferred <laughs> and agent disappeared. Really? Never heard from him. The client had to call the agent and say, hey, we got this email from this company saying that wow. we got policies. Like, should we, do you want to talk pay about it? <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, he, the, the client told me that he was told by this other agent, oh yeah, I, I guess we should do that. Yeah. So they, re oh. they refused to accept the policies. And now they're going through a new underwriting process. <laughs> but that's like, so what, what I also... Well, it must have been with the wrong company then. Yeah, and it was. Okay, I'm just saying, if they're going through the underwriting process again, it was, you know, maybe, I don't want to say the wrong company. I legitimately believe it's uh, mutual life insurance companies against the world. Yeah. Okay. But if I had my druthers, I'd rather not do business with some, and I'd prefer <laughs> to do business with others. Uh, I tell people now, and it makes it very nice and succinct, optimization and calibration. 
We optimize, we take the best of the best, and once we've got that, we calibrate it to suit your particular financial circumstances. There you go. And it applies to everything. Everything. It applies to company selection, it applies to the design, it applies to the approach to marketing, it all can be tied back to that and makes it very neat and tidy. It's all about that. Uh, so yeah, it would, there was a- Makes a, life easy, doesn't there, it? There was a company that I think there is better suited for the purposes of the infinite banking concept, and that's be a non-direct recognition company <laughs> sure that is. legitimately uh, illustrates the <laughs> dividends that they have, every intention of paying, and uh, a history of paying. Yeah, I like it. Not that the other companies were not good, but the agent should like. Maybe, well, and there's other things. Maybe spend too. time on self improvement. Well, and well, I, I tell <laughs> I tell people just, this, like the, you know, with the 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 subject of company selection i mean we could i could go on for a long time about it but one of the things <laughs> i point out is <laughs> you know with, with the question of optimizing you know one of the criteria that we use to evaluate one of the many criteria we use to evaluate whether a company qualifies for our purposes is the quality of their pua rider <clears throat> what yeah and that's that's that same reaction is what I get from clients. They're like, what? Oh, yeah, the, the PUA writer, the ability to pay PUA varies by company to company. And some are more restrictive and some are less restrictive. Some are attractive and some are not. Yeah. Someone, some someone's are worth you to, owning <laughs> and others are not. Some wants you to pay that PUA one time a year. Oh, on the anniversary? On the, the anniversary. Little date right there? That little bitty date. Oh, yep. wait, wait. And then there's others. Now, listen, we can, we're going to talk all around this and we're going to get comments just like, listen, we want specifics. I'm an agent. I need to know. Um, well, I'm, okay. So that's one of the, you want specifics. That's one of the specifics. You want uh, the quality of the PUA. You know, we talked in the past about how, uh, Clients of other agents or prospects of other agents will take my articles into <laughs> your articles. <laughs> I get a couple of calls a week where they mention my name or your name. Yeah. And they're like, James, I had an agent. I mean, I had a I had a client come in and he said, "Do you know James Nethery?" And the guy's like, "Well, yeah, he's my friend." I mean, yeah, <laughs> several agents, not all of which are my friends, just because we haven't met, right. right? But then, yes. I mean, it it's, like, it's almost like it strikes fear in the heart of an agent or advisor. <laughs> if they walk in, their clients walk in and throw your articles down or bring up, you know, a podcast that talks about PUAs and structure and yeah, their policy look like the article, mm-hmm. the description of the article or the description of a podcast episode. Yeah. yeah. So but listen, it, we all have the opportunities to improve. And it's all in good fun, you know, but it is fun and you got to have fun. In this you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> and I, I hear this a lot, um, quite often, um, you know, Nelson, the way he did his 60-40 and 60% of the premium to the PUA, 40% to the base whole life. And, and we've talked about this many times. Premium is premium is premium. If you write a check to the life insurance company, you're either paying the premium or you're repaying a loan, right? <clears throat> so if you're not an honest banker, it's premium because you're, if you're not an honest banker, you're not repaying the loans. <laughs> and uh, honesty in banking is important. You know, you, you know these, uh, these illustrations will illustrate with that outstanding loan from day one over and over and theoretically they'll carry but you can't borrow money anywhere in the free world without interest and without loan repayments so you should value your own capital at least as much as you value the third party lender's money which means that don't borrow money unless you have a repayment schedule it's just that simple right and if they're going to charge you five or six repay it seven eight or nine okay And it's okay to contribute to the revenue of a company you own. What you mean? You want to own a profitable company? I go directly to that. I'm like, and I of course. And I've had maybe not this past week, but the week prior, a business owner who understood this. I mean, he really had cash flows down, and we were talking about uh, interest payments, and and he brought it up. He's like, you know, check me on this. Like, I mean, they're paying me a dividend, right? And and interest income to them is revenue to them, right? In, my interest payment back to the my life insurance company is revenue to the company that's paying me a dividend. Right. So if the company charges you 5% on a loan 
and you repay that loan at 5%, that interest is not credited to your, your policy. Right. Right. So you're directly supporting the profitability of a company that you own because it's a mutual company. Then, therefore, you're indirectly supporting your policy. Yeah. It, it, it's really like, you know, Nelson talks about the uh, First National Bank in Midland, mm-hmm. about, you know, the bankers refuse to repay. They own the bank. And you refuse to pay repay loans to the bank that you own? It's like a grocery store. Where are you going to shop? The front door or the back door? Yeah, it's taken, it's taken, it's, it's, it's getting upset <clears throat> about paying a price by going through the front door it's, at your own grocery store. And that's, that is getting upset about practicing capitalism. Oh, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So just stop it. Yeah. I mean, a profit, your profit, your profit, my profit, our profit, profits in general are a great thing. As a matter of fact, it's like, it's what sustained the free world throughout history. Tell me where I'm wrong. Nope. Okay, so... Um, Premium, the life insurance company is premium. The PUA, the paid up additions, is premium to the life insurance company. And flexibility and premium is important. Oh, I was going to, I had a lot of questions. You know, Nelson did, you know, illustrated his policies in becoming your own banker, 60 40. 40% to the base, 60% to the PUA. He never used term, and that, you know, that was, uh, those were guardian illustrations in the Becoming Your Own Banker book, and equipment financing is specifically what I'm referencing. Um, that was printed, the book was printed in 2000. You know, you've said it many times. I'm going to say it over and over and over. Maybe the listener hasn't listened to all 150 hours, right? So, of uh, high quality podcast material that's available at no cost, right? On the all the platforms. Yeah. Okay. Um, when Nelson started purchasing life insurance at the age of 14, became a life insurance agent at 1964. He had already purchased a lot of life insurance from his brother, who was a life insurance agent, one of his brothers. Okay. And then in 1980, his story's in the book, right? Um, that was as much PUA as you could pay at that time without any use of riders, term riders, right? So the CSO, Commissioner Standard Ordinary Tables, that that is used to construct and price life insurance, which is based on the life expectancy, which is comes from the census, right? I mean, this is all very methodical. You know, the life insurance companies didn't wake up one day and say, oh, let's just charge X, Y, or Z for a premium. You know, it's, it's very scientific yeah. and mathematical. And they're bean counters, and they're very, they're very accurate, okay? Okay, um, the CSO tables have changed twice, right, because we keep living longer and longer. Interest rates have come down. Dividend scales have come down. And so today, quite prevalently across the uh, big wide world, in the infinite banking footprint, you know, PUA riders, blended PUA riders with blended term or standalone term riders are used to just create a better banking policy than a typically structured life insurance policy, right? And there's only a limited amount of these things that we can control, okay? At the end of the day, um, part of the presentations when there's a lack of understanding, a lack of philosophy, you know, there's not a thorough reading of Nelson's books, there's not a, you know, a legitimate investigation to, uh, to understand whether you would want to participate in the infinite banking concept for yourself or your family. It's easy to default to these, you know, five minute presentations or 10 minute videos that, that, that just, I mean, my terminology is mesmerizing these exotic illustrations and examples when it's almost like, you know, flashing shiny things. It's like, oh, here, look at this. Don't understand what we're doing and why we're doing it and how you can implement it into your personal economy and how you can control the cash flows. Let's don't focus on that. Let's focus on the rate of returns. And I'm just saying if you back up, Right. And maybe be willing to listen to some of these long play podcasts. Mm. I mean, 
these episodes, it's worth it in my opinion. And many times it's worth it to listen to it more than once. And I understand we're all busy. I understand we all have a limited amount of time. I understand that, you know, a lot of us don't like to read. I understand that. But, oh my gosh, if you play something on a podcast episode, you can timestamp it and, you know, spend a couple of days listening to an hour instead of searching for a five-minute, 10-minute, or 15-minute quick presentation to get all your answers there yeah the bible didn't change the world because people got to listen to 10 minute talks no they didn't it's because people got to read it Mm -hmm. oh wait and and they got to live it too they could live it if they understood it they understood it if they could yeah we used to we used to fight for the opportunity to read the truth and now people fight for the opportunity to get the truth without reading I mean, how true that what an inversion, <laughs> what an inversion. That's well, you know, it, it kind of this, this, we say drive by this, the soundbite world that we live in. Yeah. You know, there's nothing. It's fast food, financial sales. Exactly. If it sounds good, it must be right. Yeah. You, know? you said something about science and I, a whole lot came to me there. So I wanna, Are you going to talk about the science of COVID-19? What? Oh, what science? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot in the conventional financial world about the so-called science of investing, quote unquote. Oh, my God. And, you know, the John Bogle's work, the index mutual fund revolution, dollar cost averaging. The father of Vanguard, no yeah. or low load. Um you know, the, the whole mutual fund industry uh, is built on the illusion that you can make a science out of investing. And it's all on, it's all a mission to strip out the entrepreneurial element of investing, right? And In, investing, nope, no question, giving up your f- control of your funds in order to produce a greater return in the future because we're dealing with the future which is non-guaranteed and unknown and uncertain in technical economic terms, will require entrepreneurial decision-making. It will require judgment and appraisal, as Peter Klein and Joe Salerno will call it. And you, you cannot avoid that. I, and, and the way that you can spot the fact that they're, first of all, they never mention entrepreneurship. There's no discussion about the entrepreneurial decision in an investment choice. <laughs> no way. Yeah. They can't. They can't. It's impossible. And then it all comes down to the selection. I like your little spiel on how arbitrary it is. My little spiel. Arbitrary time periods, <laughs> arbitrary tax rate assumptions, yeah. arbitrary growth rate assumptions, arbitrary retirement age choice, arbitrary mortality time, arbitrary distributions late in life, all about, all these arbitrary numbers that, of course, they don't talk about, but is the natural implication of that approach, right? And okay, so if we if we want science, if we want to have a scientific foundation in our in, in how we manage our finances, it is not to be found in the so-called science of investing because there isn't any. Correct. It's to be found in actuarial science, and it's very it's it's very basic. The law of large numbers. It's math, man. It's math, just math. 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 Yeah, you know, it's not above Calc one. I mean, it's a, a intelligent high school, mathematically inclined young person could grasp it all. Sure, and that's the foundation. And can and can convey that to the average individual who may not be interested in math. Yeah. Yep, but, but now let's apply that to what you said: the infinite banking concept and becoming your own banker is all about, which is solving for the need for capital. If we use actuarial science to solve for the need for capital. Now we've not just ignored, we've not ignored the entrepreneur. We've not put the entrepreneur aside. We've empowered the entrepreneur because of what I talked about in 2019 and 2020 at the Nelson Nash Institute think tank talks, the relationship, and it came straight from Nelson, the relationship between (coughs) capital and opportunity. Mm -hmm. Opportunity is just, we, when we say opportunity, we mean an individual appraises the, the landscape of possibility and has, has decided in their mind that if they were to intervene in circumstances, they could make things better off than they, are, than they currently are. That's what we mean when we say opportunity. And your ability, one's ability to 
interact with, to intervene in circumstances is a function of your access to capital. The more access to capital you have, the greater an influence, the greater an impact you can exercise on the world. And so somebody, I cannot, I don't see a way out of this logic. Somebody with greater <laughs> access, two things, more capital and more certain access to that capital. Right. Mm -hmm. So best case scenario would be, I don't know, contractual access to it, mm -hmm. you know, that you have authority over as opposed to, say, a commercial banking arrange arrangement where you have to ask for permission and they get to decide those who have the gold make the rules. OK, so if you have a large quantity of capital, like, say, because you paid a lot of premium and you have contractual access to that capital, then your ability to exercise entrepreneurial behavior in the world is expanded. And, and to those who have, more shall be given. It's an exponential relationship. It doesn't rise linearly, right? No. The, the, those who are wealthy become wealthier. The, the rich do get richer. And it's not, and we say that, but it's, it's so like woo-woo, like it, ephemeral, like mysterious. It, it's those who have contractual control over and access to a large amount of capital get more contractual control over and access to capital, right? It's just like the growth in cash value and dividend paying whole life. It's exponential. What? <clears throat> yep. And so we, I, I, we the, and this is why the, the, that's why I'm over the veiled hostility or the antagonism or the debates or the arguments. I'm over it. Oh yeah. I'm over all of it. Sure. Because the other financial people God bless them. Great people, I'm sure. Assume angelic intentions when I'm having a good day. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're not solving the problem. They're, no question. The financial problem is the need for capital. And, when, and, I, and, I, and I don't want to scare away any of the uh, fixed income people, the employees. Look, people who are, if, you were, if you're an employee, if you're working for somebody receiving a fixed income or a variable income, whatever it is, you're still behaving entrepreneurially when you when you decide to purchase a home that's an in the technical language of economics that's an entrepreneurial decision mm -hmm. right you're you're accepting the risk associated <laughs> with the ownership of that property because you perceive the benefits to you to be of more value than what than bearing the cost of owning the than bearing the risk that comes with the cost of owning that home right it's still technically speaking, an entrepreneurial decision. Entrepreneurship isn't just starting businesses. Right. That's one mm -hmm. uh, application. That's one manifestation of entrepreneurship. It's not the only one, right? And this is why Manger, who had the correct idea of capital that we then lost in the Austrian tradition, and I'm currently financing the... the <laughs> Going to revive that, or yeah. actually financing interpretation. Yeah. So we're going to fix on. that. I, you know, we've talked about that many times. <clears throat> How come, why haven't all of these Austrian economists, you know, taking some part-time jobs to be able to finance the interpretation of that article? I, I, I don't know. You know, at Duke University, there's boxes, boxes. Boxes and boxes. Of Manger's papers. Uninterpreted. Untranslated. It's just sitting there. And people don't know that. I didn't know it a year ago, and they just don't. We don't know, and but uh, but that, that's all going to change. <laughs> that's all going to change. But so even Manger, though he his idea of capital was restricted to the business sense. Yeah, he he said it was the monetary value of assets with acquisitive purpose. So capital that, that the businessman sees, and that's true. But there's nothing. The only difference between capital in the business sense and capital in a personal sense is legal technicalities, right? At the end of the day, both the business person and the individual who doesn't consider themselves a business person has access to various forms of equity and various forms of capital, right? And so the same, this is another thing that needs to be addressed and it'll be addressed somehow. I, either I'll write it or I'll co-author with somebody or I'll pay somebody to write. It's gonna get written that the, the, the essence of capital transcends the private and commercial distinction. No question. And that's why, yeah, yeah. that's why I don't like this idea of the personal financial planner. Like, what do you mean the personal financial, as opposed to the commercial financial planner? 
What, what's the di- what, what is the categorical economic difference? The individual bi- non-business person and the business person both have a need for capital. How are you going to solve it? That's not a personal or a commercial problem. It's a capital problem. And so like the, uh, you know, the certified uh, financial planner and the, uh, the uh, chartered financial, all these various Balance. designations mm-hmm. that are geared towards what's marketed as this alleged dichotomy, that, uh, marketed towards the one side of the dichotomy, which is personal finance. It's like, no. This isn't personal finance. It's why we've got clients who are individual employees and clients who are investors and uh, business people. And we're solving the same problem for all of them. No question. That's my little, and on scientific foundations. Yeah, thanks for, you know, expanding on that. There's, look, a a household is gonna be run profitably or not. They're either gonna be solvent or insolvent. A business, you know, back in the day when businesses could actually go bankrupt, you know, I mean, that's a <laughs> very important function of a, of a capitalistic, you know, society. So a business is either going to be profitable or not. And then when you, you know, use the term finance, I mean, we've talked about this. I mean, how broad is that? Right. I mean, what can you cram into there? The CPA, um, God love you. <laughs> I mean, the, the, I mean, really the banker, the commercial banker, the real estate, you know, I mean, it's so broad. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, when you boil it down to access to capital, I love that. And, you know, going back to a lot of conversations that, that I have over and over and over, at, at every level in the financial services industry, with the CPAs, with the bankers, with the attorneys, there's not a clear distinction between investing and saving. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it's very is, is fundamental. <laughs> no, I mean, the people don't, you know, when I'm investing for my retirement, you know, in a qualified plan. And then when you just, just think that through, right, investing is not savings, right? Just because Wall Street created a product and called it an opportunity and then puts it out to the public to attract capital, that's bass backwards. Okay. Create capital, capital accumulation. Capital formation with structure, okay, capital attracts the opportunity. It's bass backwards. These people have never heard this. No. All right, and when you walk them through that, they're, oh, yeah, it makes complete sense. Well, why, aren't, why aren't our paying, you know, a million dollars in premium each year? Well, either because you don't have access to a million dollars in cash flow, or you've not been exposed to this idea. Yeah. Right? I mean, but these are very fundamental in investing savings. Very fundamental, and I'm talking about partners, CPAs, attorneys, bankers. They don't necessarily grasp this. Oh, yeah, no. All right, so this, that's very fundamental. And then, you know, when we talk, uh, uh, it's just like your, um, I want to use the word diatribe because you said uh, my, whatever, however you reference that. Uh, on the arbitrary numbers thing? Yeah. That's your spiel. Spiel, because you yeah. said spiel, I'm going to use <laughs> diatribe. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, the expansion of topics into the depth which we discuss on this podcast is invaluable. No one else is no doing that. Doing so I'm kind of speaking to that. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're welcome. It, it's There's so many misconceptions and misunderstanding and they're very fundamental and they're very simple. It's a very simple correction or adjustment in our thinking. There is a difference between savings and investing. All right, savings, accumulating capital. This idea that cash is trash, I don't know who said that, but uh, the whole world is hoarding US dollars. So not everybody agrees with that (laughs) cash is trash, okay? Oh, I don't know. I talk to real estate investors all day, every day, and they need access to cash because cash is king when it comes to real estate. We didn't, not one time, mention or have that conversation of how cash is trash. It's how much cash can I get to, okay? Um, And it all goes back to what are we doing? Yeah. The philosophy is becoming your own banker. We're, we're accumulating capital. The capital is going to attract opportunities, whether you're in business or home. Every home should run like a business. And you don't have to have a degree to run a successful business. I was told... Might um, even be a hindrance. <laughs> <laughs> Might. Right? 
most likely. <laughs> you know, I'll just say. Uh, economics, the word economics, I've been told the etymology of that word is um, like echonoimus or something along those lines, a Greek terminology for order in the home. Mm. Huh. Hmm. I hope that's true. I don't know if it is. Maybe y'all can research it and, you know, educate me. Order in the home. Think about that. Okay. Makes sense. Um, then, what I've learned, and I am a student, I continually learn, and I've learned this several years ago, the more capital that you have access to, the more opportunities will be presented because of the attraction to capital. It Will this idea, this concept, this in application, the infinite banking concept, becoming your own banker, will increase your ability, your personal ability to identify and properly classify an opportunity. Because everything walking down the street is not an opportunity, although everybody presents, you know, what they want you to put your money into as an opportunity. So and we get this question. Can, James, can you put up some videos where people talk about how they use their policies? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I, yeah, there's a, a place for examples, an illustration, and that's helpful. But at the end of the day, I don't know how you're going to use your policy. And thank goodness that you are the only one who knows that. And they because don't even know. They don't well, even know. You, the mind cannot foresee its own advantage. Hayek, one of my favorite And that's okay. Know, quotes. Sound and like. that's okay. You, you're preparing. I, one of the things I've, you've said it once to me, and I'm like, oh, it's prepare to be called. Absolutely. And if you prepare to be called, you'll be called. And what form will that take? I don't know. Nelson bought land. He was a forester. He knew about land. right? So, like you say, something he knew something about. Yep. Right? You, you're in some profession. You're doing something to generate an income as an employee, as a business person, as in whatever it is you're doing. You know, you have specialized knowledge that only you know about what you're doing. And you in that position, well capitalized, is opportunity all day. And so what will that look like? I, I don't, you tell me what that'll look like. I, I have that qu- conversation regularly with new clients. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But whenever you experience that, please share it with me. Yes. Right. And that's really, you know, because of this uh, this uh, focused destruction on capitalism, what little capitalism we have left in the United States, um, the scientific destruction of capitalism with the lockdowns. Um, prior to that, and we had, uh, so going back in history, the last, you know, 15 years, um, we've had live events. Mm. You know, throughout North Texas, Houston, and different places, where outside speakers come in, and and people get to meet each other, right? And it's so it's phenomenal. Well, we kind of got away from that because of moving, you know, more digital online, you know, videos, episodes, podcasts, what have you. Anyway, we had a live event scheduled in Fort Worth, Texas, earlier this year that had to be postponed because of COVID. Right? And my point is this: that. Um, the idea of wanting to see an example, you can create tons of examples all day long. The future is unknown. The idea that, that however you use your policies and whatever endeavors that you participate in are unique to you and your experience. And whenever you can share with me what you've done and I can share with you what you've, and, and, and people share with each other, that is so phenomenal. I mean, in my opinion, that's really the value of live events, mm. part of it. The other great value that I see is, you know, Nelson talks about the Lone Ranger. You're the only one. Yeah. Yeah. We used to give away a Lone Ranger award because, you know, people say, why do you do that, James? Well, you probably can't put five people together that pay the kind of premium that you pay or understand what you're doing. You know, and then they want to ridicule you and make you isolate you, make you feel alone and and don't tolerate it. You know, when's the world ever been right about anything? Yeah. Okay. My point being is um, the idea of sharing live one on one. I see the value. I grant it. There is a value of seeing the examples. But the idea that you have to make a decision based on an example of somebody else's, that's not um, a good basis to make yeah, a you'd want more foundation. solid grounding 
you know and Mm -hmm. and what we were talking there about economics this is one of the things why it initially confused me but now i get it uh why more advisors don't embrace the value of economics and having a discussion in economic terms and and it's like, oh, that Austrian economic stuff. Oh, I, I don't need to know that. You know, I'm a, I'm a life insurance salesperson. Oh okay, <laughs> okay. I mean, that's fine. Great. A couple of years ago, uh, a guy, an agent, <clears throat> said, what does the Federal Reserve have to do with anything? Huh. And you're like practicing the infinite banking concept. <laughs> I'm just, I couldn't understand that, so I isolated myself from him. I distanced myself. <laughs> <He> socially distanced <laughs> before it was popular. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah I, I don't, but now I, I, I think the Austrians get a lot, some of the, well, a lot of the blame because it's been, the, the part about capital in particular has just been ignored. I was gonna say it's been poorly articulated. It hasn't been poorly articulated. It's just not been articulated mm. ever since Mises. 1949 human action i mean that was really he was really the last writer to systematically expand on it um and so we we deserve some of the blame you know the other question we get about you know you mentioned cash and cash is king and and the question of money and and i get that question sometimes you know uh people who are typically more liberty oriented more austrian oriented you know they have a a concern about the dollar crashing and uh, a lot of the austrian and austrian light financial entertainers online. Uh, Wait, there's some Austrian light financial in- entertainers yeah, online? I haven't heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't but, do anything light. Yeah, but they, they make a, you know, they make their living off of the doom and gloom on the dollar crashing. Some of them sell precious metals. Oh my God. Others sell Bitcoin. cryptocurrency. Yeah. In an IRA. Yeah. And, and look, you know, you, you can just be, narrow down the field. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. And, and a couple little, of them. little digression on that, that alternative, because I get the question sometimes from clients, you know, what do you think about alternative? Inv- they want my financial opinion on other things. And I tell them, I, I don't. I'm not, I don't have a securities license. So I don't give. Uh, you know, I don't advise on on investing. But I am an economist, and I'll give you an economic opinion. And, and my my economic opinion uh, is that is really ambiguous on the whole question of particular alternative investments. Kind of goes back to what we just talked about. Like the right investment for you is going to be a, something the, of the subject that you know of. An example uh, of a client in New Jersey, and he's poured. Uh, like $30,000 into transforming his backyard into a self-sustaining garden. Wow. And he's producing like enough produce to <clears throat> provide certainly for his family and his extended family, but also people in his community. And it's like, who who would have thought, like, I, I don't even have a backyard. You know, I wouldn't even put that together. But sure. because he had the access to capital, he could go do that. And he maybe he likes gardening. T- and maybe he wants to take care of his people. And enjoy, yeah. And, and you know, I like uh, guns. <laughs> and that's my thing. But I thought I smelled a, gunpowder this morning. <laughs> but You're a, not going to catch a flat anywhere, right? There's a certain family history there. And, you know, there's certain reasons why I we like that. We just went shooting last weekend. Yeah. And, and yesterday. And other people. Going so, tomorrow. Going back to, like, cryptocurrency and precious metals. Listen, like, man, Bitcoin like, yeah, oh, is up, fine. like, unbelievable. Gold is up. Silver's up. Yep. What, what kind of dividend is that thrown off? The what kind of cash flow? Oh, it's a hmm. cash flow in. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Yeah. So it's just another. It's and I, so I tell people, you know, whatever appeals to you, whatever you have an interest in that you like, that you see value in, that you have knowledge of, go for it. Just take care of the capital function. Sure. And the capital function, yes, it occurs in the U.S. and the and the the money that we happen to have here in 2020 America, which is the U.S. dollar. And do you know that? I, nor you, nor the listener or the viewer has any control over what the money is. This was another point that Mises made that people skip clean over that money cannot be determined by dictate. Money cannot be determined by, uh, you know, a a, a committee. When we get together, we decide, we vote on what the money's going to be. It doesn't work that way. What the money is, is is a consequence of historical fact. Of, of, of just things that happen to play out the way they happen to play out. You know, the gold and silver used to be money because it has certain physical attributes that made it conducive to facilitating exchange. Mm-hmm. And that's the question. The money is that thing which will best facilitate exchange. 
And that's why it's the general medium of exchange. So it could and be it, salt. It has been salt. Has in been history. salt. Tobacco. It, it, cigarettes in a prison. Tally sticks. Yep. It can be whatever. Cigarettes in prison. <laughs> yeah. Whatever best facilitates exchange. That's right. And it hap- It just so happens that in the in between the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean, south of Canada and north of Mexico, we have these things called legal tender laws, what? where your debts are by law. The government can can force somebody to repay a debt in U.S. dollars. And they can force a merchant to accept repayment for a debt in U.S. dollars. And to my knowledge, that's not going anywhere anytime soon. And you know what? Even if it were, I I have no control over the timing of that. And God bless these Austrians and people, oh, you know, call your governor, call your senator, and call your representative and let them know your opinion. Okay, you know, spend as much time doing that as you please. You know, some people sign a petition. Some people take pleasure in doing that, and that's great if you want to do it. It's going to have no currency change ever in the history of the world was determined by a phone call somebody made to their government representative. Okay, and you know what? the The fact that we don't have control over that doesn't matter, because at the end of the day, assets. All assets are going to be denominated in some currency. Mm-hmm. And for the purposes of capital accumulation, which is the financial problem, what matters is that you've got access to more than what you paid in. And so long as you were abiding by actuarial science, which happens to apply in the life insurance industry, you're going to have more than what you paid in. And I don't, you could denominate the values and dividend paying whole life insurance in pebbles. If wow. I got more pebbles than I paid in in pebbles, mm-hmm. I'm happy. Now, my position's improved. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I completely agree. Um, however, all life insurance is not created equal. So there could be a situation with like universal life. Oh yeah, I'm well, talking okay. about dividend paying whole life okay, insurance. Okay, perfect. Dividend yeah. In paying. fact, I'm only talking about contracts that come through our office. How about that? That, that, that whatever that. anybody else puts out there, I don't know, but don't dividend either. paying mutual okay. life insurance from a non-direct recognition perfect. company structured so, properly. If I if I uh, add to that and not much is needed, it's just I want to. It's like you mean I you I we can't control what is dictated to be Currency? Hmm? Okay. So I also cannot control what the interest rate environment is. And I also cannot control what the markets are doing or are not doing. And I must say that you want to use arbitrary numbers to do any kind of financial planning. <laughs> the foundation is non existent from that basis. Okay. Um, Every market in the world is manipulated. I'm just saying, it's like, if you, you've got to get outside of this construct that we were born into, mm-hmm. in my opinion, the debt slave construct, and then the education or the proper, not really education, it's the indoctrination yep. of history and economics. Um, and it is what it is. I'm not, uh, I love our country. It's the greatest country created by man, in my opinion. The greatest economic engine on the face of the earth is a U.S. economy. So, yeah. okay. My point being is there's so much that I cannot control. Why am I even going to worry about what I cannot control? Right? So, how about we just pile up a whole bunch of money, capital, and enjoy the opportunities as they come? And it just so happens that the thing you can control is what matters. And what matters is who controls the banking function. Mm -hmm. And that is in your control. And how much money you put in to your capital accumulation. How you do that, how often you do that. Exactly, you know, how you do that. How much, how often you control that. You cannot put that on an illustration. Can't put a rate of return on that. Yep. And the challenge should be to get it past the underwriter. <laughs> that is a challenge. I, mean, I tell that people is that. A challenge. Once we go through all this, and you know, I know that the clients up to speed. I'm like, listen, it's hard to con- convey this because to understand the value, you got to. We have to had to go through all that foundation. Now that we have, I can express this. But yep. the, you know, that's one thing that we do well 
is that we know how to have that conversation. You know, underwriters, God bless them, they got to abide by state regulations and oh, you know, what, what the National Social Insurance Commissioners and all the model regulation they put out. You know, they want to say yes, but they have their guidelines to abide by, which is good. They should do their job. Sure. Dividend paying whole life is fully underwritten as it should be. And that's okay. So underwriters got to do their job. The client wants to pay a certain level of premium. There is a correct way to have that conversation, to get the client what they want, to get them the ability to pay the premium they want to pay, and to give the underwriter what they need to say yes. Absolutely. And Legitimately, transparently. No, straight, yeah, no question. But correctly. Yes, and there is a limit to how much premium anyone can pay. There's a limit to how much face amount, total death benefit, anyone can have. And these limitations are adhered to by the life insurance companies. Yep. So they're, like you said, they are doing their job. I know we make it look easy, right? And there also has to be insurable interest at the time the policy is formed, yep. right? So we can't buy life insurance on anybody we want. We can't pay whatever premium we want to pay just because we know it's good and we want to pay a premium. So there's an effort behind the scenes, right? What you don't see. Oh my gosh, is like, there an effort? <laughs> <laughs> I don't wanna, you know, say it's, uh, you know, really hard, but let me tell you what, it it's legitimate to get policies correctly structured, past the underwriter, delivered in a um, customized way, yeah, particular way for the individual. And we're all different. So. And, fr and frankly, it's why I have lost tolerance for the client who wants to fight. And it's why I am much more quick to fire. And it's like, you know, uh, unfortunately, it's not going to work. Not, no. Let me correct myself. Yes. It is not unfortunate. It is not. I'm choosing to decline the opportunity to assist certain people with their need for life insurance. And I wish you the best. Yeah. And we do wish you the best. No hard feelings. Yeah. Please move on because there's a long list of people who have paid their dues. I talk about paying your dues, talked about mm -hmm. it in the 2020 talk. There's a long list of those people who have done their homework, who have paid their dues, who see the value, and who understand what has to go on in order to get things done, in order to maximize what they can do, mm -hmm. and you know, and get to it. Because the older you get, the more the allowable face amount you can apply for at the time of a new application goes down. And it goes down in a stepwise function. It's not linear, so it, it drops off various cliffs the older you get. And so get, Get well, give us it. an idea of that. And most of you probably know this, but a lot of us may not know this. So um, you just had a birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, how old are you? Do you want to disclose that? 28. Yeah, I don't mind. Okay. Do you know how many? So when it comes to life insurance, typically, roughly, you can pay about 20% of your gross annual income in premium. So if I earn $100,000, you know, it's pretty easy to get $20,000 past the underwriter in premium. All right. Do you want me to not go here? Oh, well, you could. There's. I have clients who. Well. No, 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 no. I, I'm we're just saying. Get you the ability I, to pay the premium that. No question. Your financial circumstances and <clears throat> hey, goals listen, legitimately my point, warrant. <laughs> my point is this: speaking to the uh, limitations on underwriting, the financial limitations on underwriting in the life insurance industry. You're 28. You can have, I believe, 30 times your income. Yep. In face amount, I'm 57. I can have 15 times my income. That's a clip. And there's a couple of drops. In between. In yep. between. And as soon as I turn 60, I can have 10 times my income in face amount. Or there's always the or, and it's either or, not both. I can have one times my net worth in face amount. Whichever's higher. Yep. So. So I, you better be generating more and more income as you get older. In fact, you're going to have to just to be able to keep the applicable, allowable face amount at the same level. Right, you have to out earn yourself in order to be able to get more and more face yes. amount, and so as your age goes up, the factors go down, so your income better be going up. Yep, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, life insurance is the only asset in American finance where your ability to pay does not determine how much you can buy. Yep, very good. Well. Um, I, Which I don't like, by the way. The human life value concept, oh that's, gosh. I'm coming for you, Solomon Hubner. You know, God well, not every you, company Solomon looks at that. Insurance. You know, not every company looks at human life value. All right. Some look at income replacement. Why is this limitation? 
Yeah, yeah. So they have to justify the face amount in some way, and human life value is typically the way it's done. Yeah, typically. That's how the limit is typically set. Yeah, and and then why you know, and rightly so. Why limit that? Who who got up one day and said, oh, "I'm going to limit anything," right? Yeah, you're going to limit me like that. What? Right. Wait a minute. If you're going to limit what I can put into life insurance, it must be you must think you know better than me, or you must want yes. to control me and where I put money. What? I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm just a student of history, and I like asking legitimate questions. You know, which the most legitimate question I've ever asked and have yet to receive a straightforward answer to is. Can the government print all the money they want? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. If that's true, and it is, and they prove it, why do they need my money in taxation? <laughs> you can print all you want. Why do you need to take from me through this theft of private property? That's a legitimate question. Yeah. And it, with the idea that um, your human life value should be a function of your current income. It's like, <laughs> like what's that's, that's such made, limiting. That's that made comes up. from a place of a limiting scarcity. It's a limiting thought process. Yeah. But the, the origin in the 20s of that whole idea of Huebner's human life value idea was an improvement upon the sales tactics of what were in place prior. Oh my gosh. Which just speaks to how misunderstood life insurance was even before then. And, and, For human and, life value to be an improvement. If the- socialism <laughs> can improve anything, there's a problem. Because Huebner was a, wasn't, I don't know if he's a card-carrying communist, but you know he hung out with them. His academic mentor was a self-described, quote-unquote, voluntary socialist, whatever that is. But is there is that even possible? Um, you know, well, I don't know. We can go to uh, wherever. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Washington, they're they're coagulated in Washington D.C. <laughs> voluntary socialists. They're getting paid. Oh, okay. they're getting paid. All right. All right. Listen, we could chase rabbits all day long, or or we can go have some of the best barbecue in Texas. That sounds like a phenomenal plan. All right. I'm happy. Perfect. All right. Live free and independent. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.